Chapter Eleven of Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study by Charles Edward Jefferson. Chapter Eleven: The Value of a Target. But let no man rail at the soil till he has examined his soul. Obstacles without are as nothing compared with hindrances within. Men sometimes disparage their parish when they ought to be cudgelling themselves. I have a hard field, the good man sighs, and on his sigh, as on a rug, lies down. The self-complacency of some men is colossal. It is easier to lose one's way in the ministry than in any other calling. Many a man gropes hither and thither, like a traveller lost in a fog. The vastness of the world in which the minister moves renders it easy for him to be vague. Theology itself is a boundless science but it is only one of many which closely touch the preacher's work. In the library, as on the ocean, one is lost without a compass. The details of administrative labor are multitudinous, and a man, unless clear-headed, will be swamped. A minister's work is of a routine character, and routine always tends to reduce the vitality of a propelling purpose. When the community expects a man to pray at stated seasons every week, whether he is in the spirit of prayer or not, and at fixed intervals to give a discourse, whether or not he has received a message, and to keep up this clock-like regularity straight onward through the years, it is not difficult to see that the exercises which began as means to lofty ends may at last become ends in themselves. The prayer which once was winged with a definite aim may become a spoke in a revolving wheel from whose turning neither the preacher nor any one else, expects results. The sermon which once thrilled, with a burning purpose, may dwindle into a display of verbal handiwork, or a string of meaningless commonplaces, with which to tie up a service. Even men who work prodigiously on their sermons may forget the end for which sermons ought to be prepared. To no one is sermon production easy, to many it is exhausting toil, and so intent sometimes does the worker become in the unfolding of his idea, as to lose sight entirely of the work which the idea is meant to accomplish. The arrow is carefully and ingeniously fashioned, and then shot at random into the air. The bullet is moulded at great pains, but no target is visible to the marksman's eye. Preaching, which is, if rightfully done, the most exacting and purposeful of all forms of labor, may easily become the most desultory and purposeless of all. This lack of aim works havoc in a parish. The man without a goal seldom gets anywhere. The leader who knows not whither he wishes to go will land his followers in the ditch. A man is effective in the ministry, other things being equal, in proportion to the clearness of his purpose and the definiteness of his aim. This lack of intention reveals itself in the sermon. An aimless sermon breaks down the interest of a congregation, and sends it home, disheartened and confused. Men say to one another, I do not know what he was driving at, one of the saddest wails which ever escapes the lips of church attendants. Unless a man can make the purpose of his sermon stand out broad as a barn door, he ought to go into some work for which the Lord has fitted him. The very mission of the pulpit is to fire men's hearts and set them moving out to battle. But if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for the conflict? 
Laymen frequently stand nonplussed at the close of a sermon, not knowing what they ought to think, or what they ought to do. This target blindness also discloses itself in parish administration. If a minister has nothing definite in his mind, he is likely to organize a new society. There may be no need of it in the parish, and its creation may absorb vitality needed for the development of organizations already in existence. But to the clouded vision of a man without an aim, a new society is always a thing to be desired, partly because it gives him opportunity to appear to be doing something when he is doing nothing, and partly because a community is always ready to mistake the multiplication of wheels for an increased speed in the progress of the Lord's chariot. Probably half the organizations now in existence would never have cumbered the ground had it not been for the idle and fussy brains of men and women who care more for the manipulation of machinery than for the accomplishment of spiritual ends. Those whose heart is set upon the attainment of definite results do not want to be weighed with unnecessary paraphernalia and desire as little machinery as possible. A clear-cut aim is the preacher's life-preserver. A preacher without a purpose is worse off than a man without a country. The frequent pondering of a purpose braces the heart and energizes the will. No question should be oftener on the preacher's lips than, To what purpose is this? That is the question with which he should begin every sermon. On the first page he should write in clean, terse Saxon the precise work which this particular sermon is intended to do, and on the last page he should write his honest answer to the question, Is this sermon so constructed as to be likely to accomplish the result for which it has been written? The first and last pages of the sermon need not be given to the people, although if a minister has not the gift of clothing thought in garments of light, let him help his people by telling them frankly at the beginning just what his sermon aims to do, and at the close let him condense into one compact and memorable sentence the gist of all he has tried to say. To what purpose? That is an improving question for men who lead in prayer. It is a knife which prunes away superfluous petitions. There would probably be fewer skeptics in regard to prayer if ministers had not prayed so abominably. The man who goes into the pulpit to dawdle aimlessly through a long series of meaningless and unrelated petitions is taking God's name in vain. If a clergyman has lost his purpose, let him seek for it as for rubies and fine gold. When he finds it, let him use it day by day. Let no meeting be held, no society organized, no new enterprise launched, no campaign entered upon, no sermon preached, no prayer offered without a sharp and serious pondering of the question, For what purpose is this? There will be a new consternation in the ranks of the army of the Prince of Darkness, when a larger number of the captains of the Lord's host come to realize more fully the necessity of keeping one's eyes on the target. End of chapter 11